0: Thank you for tuning in to Kineticast. I'm your host, Beau Salls. Today we have CEO and co-founder of Kineticense, Dr. Ryan Camo, coming on to talk about the launch of Kineticense 360. This launch includes AI, new modules, and the advancement of a camera to increase frame rate so we can look at faster movements. Thank you for being patient with us during these times. We have dropped to one podcast a month right now while we're trying to make sure that we keep high level guests. It would be very easy to do monologues or just me speaking on the podcast, but we believe that getting the experts in the field to come talk is the true value of the podcast. If you're looking for more information on Kinetisense or Kinetisense 360, go to www.kinetisense.com where you can book your free online demo. Let's not waste any more time and go ahead and jump into the next episode. Kinetisense 360, the advancement of technology. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host, Bo Sauls. Today we have CEO and co-founder of Coneticence, Dr. Ryan Camo, joining us, and we're going to talk about the new Kineticense 360. Ryan, thank you for joining us today.
1: Hey, Dr. Bo, thanks for having me.
0: Oh, of course, man. I always love having you. We've had some great conversations in the past. We've got some great episodes. We've talked about concussion baselining, functional movement. We've talked about different applications of technology, but... Now we get to talk about advancement of technology, and I think advancement of technology is really, really cool because now you're telling people like, okay, you got this awesome thing that can show you uh, functional baselines, concussion analysis, you can see different movements of the body, and now we're going to advance that. So, uh, Ryan, let's go ahead and jump straight into it. What do you think some of the best features that KineticSense 360 brings to a practitioner?
1: yeah no, know that and that's a great question and uh you know it's funny looking back Kineticense has been around for about six years now on the market and uh and just the advancements that uh that we've had in our in our technology with you know adding you know new modules new ways to assess different movements and, and obviously we'll talk about some of those new modules on on this podcast but also the changes that we've seen with the technology right i mean this is uh we started this this product with with the Kinect camera, and um, and now you know being able to, t- to transition really into some new technology that's available to us now, and uh, we're really excited about the new release of our of our 360. We've we've added artificial intelligence uh, into the system, which is is really powerful because we can track 360 degrees of movement with that single front-facing sensor, which uh you know before it was impossible so adding that artificial intelligence adding a new sensor type right we got the new intel sensor which has a high frame rate so we can now get up to 90 frames per second uh whereas you know the previous technology of of the connect was only 30 frames per second so being yeah. able to analyze you know fast movements things like you know the golf swing or or a, you know a pitcher throwing a ball Uh, these movements that require a higher frame rate. So just really excited about how we've added these new layers and uh, and been able to really progress our system and be able to capture more than we could before.
0: I think really like an interesting part of this is that the technology has been here and we've had the best we've had with the Connect 2 camera. And now you see that with the new technologies, we can do different things, right? So... The advantage to kineticence is that so many people have been screened and different individuals have been looked at in different ways. Now Kinetisense can look at what needs to advance in what areas and those advancements have now been made, which is awesome because now I'm in the clinic and I'm running the system and now I can look at like we talk about single leg hop, different things like that. I know we're going to get into it, but there's the system continues to advance with the need of the user is what it seems to be more
1: yeah exactly and you know and and also advancing with the latest research uh that's available you know in in you know the the space of human movement and biomechanics and, and kinetics um you know starting to not only you know look at you know the xyz data points of a joint or of of a certain movement uh but also being able to provide outputs you know what what does this type of movement or kinetic chain sequencing what does it mean and i think that's the real exciting thing with the 360 system is is we'll have someone perform you know a single leg hop test and we'll provide scores and we'll be able to show changes over time functional fatigue over time susceptibility to injury uh, based on what the research tells us is normative. And be, as a practitioner, that's that's really powerful because we're able to then make really good clinical decisions and be able to treat accordingly and uh, and be able to see those changes because everything's scored for you. It's like, you know, the system with the AI uh, provides that repetitive score that's accurate and, uh, and consistent every single time, right? So really being able to gauge functional improvement over time showing the changes that you know we make as practitioners for our patients for our athletes and uh, being able to show them the changes that we're making it's it's very powerful
0: oh yeah that's key right there is whenever you're working with an athlete or any individual we we talk about athletes a lot obviously because we're movement experts but you look at the normal individual does the same thing as the athlete. You make them more efficient. They move better with less injury. Now, the athlete is key because they have so many trainers and different people telling them different things. When they can visualize their number, numbers, their data, their information, they connect with it more and then they're going to say, okay, I see what you're saying and I need to work on this area versus being so focused on what I thought I needed to do. And I think, again, more power from just giving objective data and visualizing the screens in front of the athlete too.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, I think one of the biggest things, um, you know, as practitioners, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the most highly trained practitioner and and you feel like you have an incredibly well-trained eye, the, the reality of the situation is, is, is it's impossible for us as practitioners to be able to see every joint in every plane from the front, from the side, from you know that overhead bird's eye view, and to be able to look at something like kinetic sequencing and be able to really make a good evaluation that's consistent every single time. Right, it, it it is absolutely impossible.
0: Well, you can't and, see yeah. all the way around the body. You can't see the rotations of different joints, and I can't look at your cervical spine and your left ankle at the same time and see what's right. rotating which direction.
1: Absolutely, I mean it's it, it and and very minute movements. I mean we're right. talking you know fractions of a millimeter or fractions of a degree. Uh, you know we're talking about minute you know changes. And the other thing too is that we're talking about now multidisciplinary healthcare, right we're talking about yep. uh you know the the md working with the chiro the pt the the personal trainer and so now you're starting to talk about that inter examiner reliability right yep. so when i see a patient and i take them through a squat assessment um, am i going to see things differently from from how you're going to see things differently from how the trainer is going to see you know see things in their squat? so it's all about objectivity uh, it's about presenting everything on a scale, a functional scale, and and everyone understands, you know, a zero to a hundred scale, right? They understand that as we move closer to a hundred, that's good, <laughs> and as yeah. we move closer to zero, uh, that's not so good, right? Right. So because we we're able to do that, the it's very easy for that patient or client to understand wh- where are they now functionally. And and are they improving over time, or are they regressing? Um, what is their baseline of movement before they have an injury, right? And they're going through the process of rehabbing that injury. They want they got to get back to where they were before, at least back to where they were before. So this system tells us where they are. It also tells us, you know, what parts of the body are not moving properly to put them where they are. It, from a score st- from a from how they're scored from that you know standpoint and it gives a practitioner incredible insights as to uh, you know to be able to look at this and say hey you know based on your sport or based on your activities of daily life uh you may be sagittal plane dominant you may be frontal plane dominant transverse plane dominant and look at the sequencing of the joints that are meant to do or move in these different planes and uh, where are you compensating because we know when we start to compensate that's when we start to have increased risk of injury but also it, it affects our performance in our in our activities right so that's that's really the basis of everything we do as a practitioner we got to get our people moving well and efficiently and um, you have to have a tool you have to have a compass to take you through that process and and, and that ties into why we continually add new modules, we continually add new technology that allows us to do more, to assess more, to be able to, you know, see the body in different planes and to be able to do it efficiently because, you know, Bo, as a practitioner, you, we don't have time. to to stick 25 you know markers on the body
0: yeah no no definitely not that's not that's not an opportunity right now Ryan we have to make sure that we can add value to our business as well as our patients
1: so there's always been you know there's always been this trade-off between you know in clinically between objectivity and efficiency correct It's like I want to. I, I want to be able to treat you know many people and, and treat a lot of people and because uh, you know that that's obviously important. But I but at the same time because I, I do that I sometimes have to give up on objectivity and maybe use maybe just eyeball or use handheld tools. Right. So yeah. with this in this scenario with this type of technology that is markerless and um, is triplanar and has artificial intelligence built in to be able to give you know the proper joint readings in a very accurate way in, in all three planes uh, it it really solves that issue it is the it has really been that missing piece in my opinion in uh you know functional medicine and and and, and movement medicine so um it uh yeah it's really exciting we're really excited about 360 and what it's going to bring to clinicians and, and uh trainers and and our medical doctors
0: yeah, let's go, let's go back to two. I want to say to talk about two things at least. You said uh, scoring zero out of 100 and of course that's very easy to see. Well, not only that, but it's also green, yellow and red. <laughs> we know green is good, yellow's okay and red's bad. So that'll at least key in the mind every time. So not only is there a scale of 0 to 100 to give you more of a numerical number, but you're also hitting that part of the brain that sees it as okay, I'm in the yellow okay, I'm in the red. I need to get this better, which is a, I think it's very important. I've noticed that change with a lot of patients. They've, they've really connected with that aspect of it because it's not really about the 74, or the 76, but the green, the yellow, or the yellow and the red really show up to them sometimes. And then you also talked about, uh, compensation pathways, so I had a I had uh, when I was an intern, Ryan. So why I wanted to become intern with you in Canada with Kineticsense and with the Kinetic Center. Um, I was using the system in the clinic, and I had someone that was a, a CrossFitter and a cheerleader before, and she had a shoulder injury and a hip injury. Well, her hip had been worked on by tons of different docs and people, and it never got better. I treated it twice, and it was going back and forth. Well the screen on cams highlighted the opposite ankle as a mobility issue. And so I saw it multiple times, but I never really went after it. And when I asked her, I said, hey, what's going on with that ankle? Um, Have you ever had any injury to that before? And that was probably my fault. I should have done that earlier on. That's, again, younger doc kind of thing. But, well, I was an intern, so not a doc yet. But she told me that she rolled her ankle while she was cheerleading in high school. After I, after I uh, worked on that ankle, she went ahead and did an overhead squat and went over 200 pounds, and she had been stuck at, like, under 95. So that was a big thing for her as a large CrossFit athlete, and I honestly wouldn't have picked that up as much or as quickly if I didn't have that cam screen and the FPM report highlighting that left ankle for me every time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it comes down to... Um... You know how rehab has really changed I, I i think in in the last 15 years you know we're seeing this this paradigm shift where we used to only treat the area of pain for the most part in the past right yeah so if someone had a sore medial knee you know we would concentrate on that we would do soft tissue we would do laser we would do you know manipulation where you know the joints above, but whatever but really in the last 15 years we're now starting to look at the body and the movement of the body globally right multiple joints and and how the body will find ways to get around issues with movement so how certain joints are are meant to move in certain planes really primarily right you look at the knee the knee is primarily a sagittal plane joint not really meant to do a whole lot of transverse plane right yeah um, primarily a sagittal plane move. and the hip is a multiplane art joint right um, so what happens when we start to you know have these you know young athletes specialize in a sport at a young age that has them primarily moving in one plane and they start to get tight let's take the hip for instance they start to get tight maybe in the transverse plane of their hip because they're always working in the sagittal plane right and all of a sudden when they need to turn and cut or shift and rotate in the transverse plane that hip doesn't want to move that way so what joints are going to take that on to accommodate it right right and this is just one example a lot of times it goes to the knee especially if that ankle that arch is not supported so we get a collapse a medial collapse of the arch Right, we then we that that then locks out the ankle in the transverse plane, which then if the hip gets tight, where is it going to go? It's going to go to the knee. So, um, and that's one of the modules that we're so excited about is is the single leg hop test because you know although ACL injuries are are you know the ninth most common sports injury that we see is one of the most devastating. It's it's right up there with concussions, really. And uh, we have a lot of our young young athletes um and and yeah i mean we we see it in professional athletes even as well too these non-contact injuries where they're they're running on the field no one's even around them Bo, and all of a sudden they drop to the ground and and uh, they have a tear of their acl they have a tear of their mcl or the medial meniscus or sometimes all three it's we call that the terrible triad right Yep. And, and to be able to analyze the biomechanics of a, of a hop and, and look at you know, the takeoff, uh, but also the landing, and how the body will uh, I, you know, react in the kinetic chain sequencing, and, and are they able to stabilize that femur? Are they, are they able to you know, uh, prevent internal rotation of that knee? gives us incredible insights as to how they would function or move when they're in when they're in their activities of daily life or the sport and uh give us really good insights as to the risk of or susceptibility of injury of that knee um and and potentially allowing practitioners like you and i to be able to say wow your right your right knee is lacking your right hip is lacking stability your right knee is, is is has a valgus collapse uh when you go into a hop that's likely going to cross over in the sports specific movements like running, cutting, different things like that. And uh, we need to address this now and we need to start to stabilize that hip, that arch, the ankle, um, elsewhere in the kinetic chain, sometimes even the upper body, right. Uh, to be able to prevent a, just a traumatic injury from occurring that, you know, can oftentimes, um, if it's severe enough, lead to surgery and, and, uh, not only months off the playing field, uh, but year, it could be year. career ending. And, uh, and that's, if that, you know, if that athlete ever does return right. to play, right? So, so Matt, I mean, you think of the, you think of, of how valuable that can be for that athlete, for that patient, for the practitioner. To be able to say, you know what, you're you're high. We gotta we gotta attack this. You're high risk. We gotta attack this because we're going to fix this issue uh, with your biomechanics before, or it could possibly turn into a very serious, significant injury.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the key is it's being preventative. Right now, we have to really shift healthcare from being so reactive to being more proactive. If we're more proactive, then we'll be healthy individuals that are continuing to be more functional, stronger, mobile, more uh, everything we need at that point. But the thing is that that's just not how it is right now. So with the single leg hop, I think that we're going to be able to highlight different issues in different athletes so i had an ex soccer player come in and he scored on the very high risk on the left and the right knee three times in a row so we had a heavy conversation about him playing high level club soccer right now so that was that was a really cool test for me to be able to do within under a minute on him and it's reproducible right That that's what you said over and over again we need reproducible objective data and that's what we're being able to get. So, Ryan, what, you want to go ahead and break down what the single have single leg hop looks at for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, and this is again based on on some of the latest research um, looking at compensatory patterns in in you know the athletic population that um, is at higher risk of an, of a ACL MCL medial meniscal injury, uh, and retroactive studies that have actually looked at. You know the the hop patterns of these individuals that end up you know um, having these injuries so the research is is uh really starting to become strong in that area and and based on that there's really three key factors that uh that we want to look at when we're analyzing the biomechanics of, of the single leg hop the first one we want to look at is the amount of, of valgus collapse so degrees of valgus collapse of that knee uh, when they have their takeoff in the hop and when they have their landing, right. Valgus is the amount of, 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 of internal drop or, 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 or internal rotation of the knee. That's what we call valgus as you know. So that's, that's one of the things we want to look at. We also want to look at the rate. So how quickly does that knee drop into that valgus pattern? So that's degrees per second. So what's the speed of the valgus collapse? We also want to look at the amount of hip flexion and degrees that they go into when they're doing their hop, but we also want to look at the force. So that's, I guess there's four factors really is the force of the hop as well too. So with sense, it with a single leg hop test, it's very simple. The athlete stands in front of the system, they'll, they'll do a hop on one side and immediately then go to the next leg or the other leg and do a hop and the system will calculate their risk of injury profile for each leg, zero to hundred score, but then also give an overall score for the susceptibility to injury for an ACL, medium meniscus or MCL injury non-contact. So, you know, it's again, incredibly powerful for that practitioner to be able to see the asymmetries from left to right, right to left. To be able to see the changes over the course of you know rehabbing that movement you know activating you know muscles like the glute medius muscle um activating you know um, you know strength in the ankles the you know the muscles surrounding the ankles you know getting the arch to activate different things like that uh but it's incredibly inval- invaluable for the patient right because the patient can now see a number and and that's what drives compliance because we know as practitioners, another you know, key factor to our success and outcomes uh, when we're treating patients and, and, and they're dealing with their ailments is, is what's their compliance, right? Are they going yeah. to go home and work on their corrective exercises? Are they going to be compliant with the treatment plan and come in for their rehab treatments?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So that is huge for the patient is being able to gauge improvements and being able to see the numbers change, and give them that confidence uh, that they that they've uh, you know hit the different milestones throughout uh, the process of the rehab.
0: I think like not even just the patients, but sometimes it's going to help the doc. It's going to help the doc understand that they're actually helping their patient, especially when you're just working on someone that has a hurt shoulder and all of a sudden that you see their overhead squat and their single leg hop test increase. Well, yeah, of course you did. You you worked on their pattern and they're going to start to feel like even if the shoulder not moving a ton better, if the overall pattern of the body is moving better, Yes, you're improving their health and you can show that to an individual and they'll understand that because now you can show them a number versus saying this is the pathway that connects this to this because if they don't know the anatomy or they don't know the biomechanics, it's not going to make sense to them. So it's really cool to have that. information. So um, again, I mean, I'm obviously excited about 360 and I'm, I'm very happy to be using it on multiple patients. So Ryan, when you use 360 and you use the single leg hop, I know that the valgus and varus degree shows up, as well as the collapse rate, which is an amazing stat that practitioners and different individuals can use. So um, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more, but I've, I've used it a little bit, but I think you can probably shed some more insight on that.
1: Yeah, and again, you know, it's, it's really based on um what is considered the normal amount of valgus collapse uh that the that the acl and the mcl and medial meniscus can handle in general uh so based on that we know we know that the the more collapse that occurs in the hop um you know and and the speed of collapse is indicative of the lack of 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 stability that person has to to uh to maintain, you know, the, the, femur in proper position, uh, the tibia in proper position, um, and, and obviously the ankle and the foot. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, interesting patterns that we're seeing in the upper body in these individuals as well, too. We talk about the core, the trunk stability, right? Yep. So we know that, you know, the more rate of collapse, valgus collapse, uh, the, 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 the more degrees of collapse, the more, um, the more, I uh, newtons of force in takeoff and landing in conjunction with that as well as the hip flexion where the research tells us that we can actually gauge what the risk of injury is so we do that based on on the numbers of research and we'll we'll actually just like you said with you know the the different color schemes as to what's good bad uh, uh you know high risk so on and so forth we're able to quickly show that on an index right because Functional movement again is is not all or nothing uh, you can't have cutoffs you, you can't you can't you know mark functional movement of a joint zero one two or three right, right? it just does not work that way no it's not a continuum it's a zero to a hundred are you are you moving towards the hundred are you moving away from that towards the zero
0: well you mean and, are you you're not moving toward three or one <laughs> one up or pretty one pretty down pretty. are you kidding um, me
1: yeah, I mean but again again, you know, scoring systems for functional movement assessments are
0: are um,
1: you know, it, you got you have to do that type of scoring if you're doing if you're eyeballing and, and, and not getting data. You're trying so to look try at a ton of a ton ahead. of
0: information that you can't take yeah. in at once because it's too many joints well, and too many compensations.
1: You have to break the joints down. You have yeah. to break it you have to break down the human movement into single joint assessment. And we know that if we do that, what are we taking out of the equation? Well, we're taking out of the equation, the brain, the, the, the central nervous system, peripheral nervous system, uh, reflexes. We're taking out fascial,
0: fascial planes, the fascial system. yep
1: And, uh, and we know that kinetic sequencing is, is, is at such a higher level than doing joint by joint assessment. Yes. Joint by joint assessment plays a role, but it's very low on the pyramid we well, are talking about the complexities of the kinetic sequencing of the neuromusculoskeletal system, right? So, exactly. So that's why we need data and multi-joint assessment, right? That's why we need that.
0: Well, Ryan, if you, if you do an external rotation of your shoulder in a seated position and a lying position, sometimes you get different measurements. So we have to understand that when the body is in different positions, different joints affect other joints, so when different uh, fascial planes affect other other fascial planes, because they're the junctions, all the fascial plane junctions that we know about. So like I
1: wanna know I want to know external rotation of that shoulder when the person's in a squat. I want to know external yep. rotation of that shoulder when that person is in an inline lunge left versus right. I wanna know external rotation of that shoulder when they, you know, when they do you know, rotation at their core. Uh, I want to know what's happening when they do, you know, frontal plane movements in their core, right? Yeah. Um, because those are the types of positions that that we find ourselves day to day with our activity life, but also in sport. Yes. And um, and that's that's why you know kinetic chain sequencing and multi plane our assessment really is crucial because the body is smart and the body will try to find ways to compensate around an area that may not be working well in the body and you can, and it's smart and we can get away with it for quite some time. Right. But eventually it starts to catch up to us and the compensations patterns start to mount. And before you know it, when we need that uh, muscle to fire, when we're in a certain plane of movement to protect our knee or our ankle, or whatever, and it and it's it's lagging or it fires late because of these patterns that we've built up over time. Unfortunately, we can we can see injury occur, right? So uh, and also hinders performance too. So we it's all about resetting, hitting the reset button, trying to get back to purity of movement, purity of biomechanical sequencing, and um, I think every practitioner needs. They need their own little biomechanics lab like this that's portable, that they can, you know, easily assess their patients pre and post treatment and uh, provide these insights and, and uh, document these insights.
0: No, I 100% agree. And I think one, one big key that you said in there was that we, we need to see these different ranges of motion because that's what we do in our sport. So what you do and what you like to do, you do different movements than different humans. There's so many different individuals in the world and they all do different movements repetitively. So this is the movement you do. Well, let's see where you fail. Where's the falter? Where is the weakest link so we can focus and attack that? And that's what the system allows us to do and that gives us more of an attack point and that's why patients get better so fast, and that's why they can build stability and build mobility in different, in the exact areas they need it versus just doing it all over, and it should help out. And the system really helps us kind of like identify that and bring it down. So um, let's, bring, let's talk about the AI a little bit. Let's talk more about the artificial intelligence and what that has changed.
1: Yeah. Um, the artificial intelligence really is something that we've been working on for the last two to three years. And, and, uh, as you know, when we're assessing, you know, joint biomechanics, three planes with a single front facing camera, uh, we're not using three cameras, two cameras, we're using one. Um, sometimes when we're in different positions, specifically for rotating, you take like a picture, for instance, we this, the camera can't see certain joints. Right uh, making it very difficult to track those joints because the camera just simply can't see it. Blocking. So what we've done is with, with modeling, we've been able to add uh, artificial intelligence where the system can identify those hidden joints, giving mm-hmm. us you know so much more accuracy, especially with complex movements. So that's the advantage of the artificial intelligence. and And that's that's based on 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 you know the the different the mapping that we've done and um different modeling that we've done uh and and that obviously increases our accuracy it all also increases our abilities to capture more dynamic movements like 360 degree rotations a golf swing a pitcher uh someone hitting a ball you know baseball uh, whatever so we're able to analyze that. So that's the huge advantage of uh, in our 360 system with, with, with the AI. Uh, it also increases the accuracy uh, to an even greater extent to what we were you know being able to uh, come up with, with uh, before with the Kinect camera, because we also have with this AI system, a higher frame rate. So instead of 30 frames per second with the previous camera, we can now get up to 90 frames per second. So that's a three times, you know, multiple of, of frame rate, uh, allowing us to capture faster movements at a higher, at higher accuracy point.
0: So I mean, it went from the system that was the most accurate front facing camera biomechanical 3d analysis system to the more accurate version of it. So that's amazing. That's what we always want to do though. It's, a, it's always about advancing, taking the technology, where it is, you have the best thing that's possible at the time, and advancing it. Continuing to advance and always building from what you have. And I think the AI and the single leg hop are two huge examples of that, and that's, that's why we focus most of the podcast on those two, is because that's where you have made sure that Connecticut Sense has advanced for all the practitioners and all the gyms and all the different users that are utilizing this technology to help individuals, well, let's get more data and even more accurate information. The information you have is more accurate than the visual you were already taking. We know that, way more accurate. But now we can continually to hone it in even more. And that is where I think Kinetisense 360 kind of shows up and that shows why it's an advantage and why it needs to be there for the practitioner and the individual.
1: Yeah, and we're going to keep pushing the
0: uh, pushing the envelope, though. <laughs> oh, well, of course. I mean, that's the... that's I Ryan, I wouldn't have gone to Canada and interned up here if I didn't think that we we're going to push envelopes. I'm not that type of person to just sit back like that. You, uh, I went up there, and you guys put me to work. It was in the clinic, over at Kinetisense, everything. Pushing the envelope is about advancing technology, looking into new theories finding out the top leading experts in their area. I mean, this is this is the stuff that, like you said in the beginning, like we have talked about in multiple podcasts, this is the stuff that people are going to begin to utilize more and more and more and more facilities, and it'll be more of a common thing than an unknown thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I, I really do think that this is going to become the the new gold standard. It's already starting to trend that way, Correct. and, and uh, it is going to be something that patients are going to require, and insurance companies are going to start to require. And
0: uh, that's the key. We
1: live in a we live in a data driven world, right? I mean, we we wear uh, you know sensors on our watch that you know is you know able to give us insights on our on our in our health and and biometric data and, and all of this, we live in that world. And this is uh, this is just one of those tools that um, provides that in a clinical setting, and the training setting. So um, yeah, it's all about data, it really is. And, and it's going to continue to be that way. And uh, so we have to have these tools that provide that, that high level of data and can be done in an efficient manner so that we can you know not have to interrupt our workflow Uh, to be able to integrate the technology?
0: Easy to use. Uh, So yeah, I think that, yes. So the the one thing I've heard from different docs is I don't want to have to try to change what I'm already doing to integrate a technology and add more time. And my only thing is that the point of the technology is decreasing time in what you already do and adding more data and having that data saved over time, and you can go visualize it again. You can't watch someone do another range of motion that you measured with an inclinometer or a goniometer, but you can definitely watch it again months or a year down the road on Kinetosense. So um, being able to take that technology and put it into a clinic is actually going to allow doctors to utilize more time toward their patient versus trying to do analysis. That's what I really like. Analysis should be a quick thing. And this is what technology is for. Give me a quick analysis so I can spend more time with my patient. And we're going to be able to do more and more and more as Connecticut advances.
1: Yeah, or even have your CA or one of your staff members do the analysis.
0: Right, and then again, you're just there, the patient, and then the CA, and then they have they get to continue, and they build the graphs, they print out the graphical data for you, and then they get to hand that to the patient as they walk out, and that patient walks out of your office with graphical data from your office of how they've improved overall movement. Absolutely. All right, Ryan, well... Thanks for jumping on this podcast. Uh, we've we've tried to get it done a couple of times. We've had some technical issues. It's been crazy with COVID nineteen and everybody on the Wi Fi and Zoom and everything like that. So,
1: no, I'm glad we got it done, Bo. Thank you so much. I, I always uh, I always really enjoy coming on these podcasts with you. So thank you for having me.
0: Always good to have you, Ryan. Thanks, and we'll do another one soon. Ryan, uh, CEO and co-founder of Connecticut. Thanks for always being here for us. We appreciate you. Great.
1: Greetings from Canada.
0: (laughs) Hey, greetings from Texas, my man. Thanks, man.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Bill. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. There was a lot of good information about the advancements of the technology and how we've already utilized it in clinic. The important parts to remember from this episode are that the technology is utilized to advance us as practitioners and add more value to the patient's time. Also with 360 we're able to visualize different movements like a swing or a pitch in baseball or a spike or a block. Whatever we want to look at in sport we can now do it because we can access a faster frame rate on a camera. Kinetisense continues to look at the needs of the user, the patient, and the client and wants to continue to advance the technology so that we can access more analysis and be able to do more things to help more people. On the next episode, we have Dr. Joseph Adams joining us who utilized the system a little bit differently but uses CAMS five times through the life of a patient to track functional change and improvements over time. I'm always keeping my eye out for different users that are using the technology and applying the data in different ways so we can all learn and be able to do the same things in our facilities if we'd like to. For more information on ConettiSense, go to www.conettiSense.com where you can book your free online demo. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Beau Salls, and let's keep learning about movement, performance, and rehab together.